0: Oh, man, did I mess this up? Oh, no, there we go. I think I got a bit fixed. Welcome, Fourth String Podcast. Work in progress as always while Ben dances. Um, We are glad you were in, though. What an incredible week one we had. Absolutely insanity. Like, every ACC team that played yesterday, I think, just had to make it, like, the dumbest, closest game ever for absolutely no reason. Um, So that was a blast. Uh, Oregon does not belong officially. (laughs) Like you can't lose a game 49 to three and have a chance to get into the playoff. I'm sorry. There's like a limit there. You can't do it. Um, Mm -hmm. don't matter. It doesn't matter who you play. Um, so, you know, I thought that was a, that was an interesting tidbit from the weekend, but a welcome into the broadcast. Ben, how are you?
1: CJ, I'm great, man. Hey, this was a solid, Weekend to kick off college football,
0: great uh, weekend.
1: We're we're getting closer and closer to your vision of actually having really good games to begin the season.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, I think you know the only disappointing thing from the weekend was that the premier programs that played those games really weren't entertaining, like at all. I mean, the Ohio State Notre Dame game was fun, but like that Georgia Oregon game, you know I mean. Oregon didn't belong like we're going to joke about it today. But at the same time, I just root for entertaining games. And we didn't get that yesterday from from that one in particular. That was disappointing for Mm -hmm. sure. But I mean, if you can't sit down and watch NC State and East Carolina battle it out back and forth, a game that should have been over about four different times on both sides and it just keeps going uh, and not appreciate that. I mean, I don't know what to do for you. Um, For sure. I did think, and let me know your thoughts on this. I'm watching the Georgia Oregon game. And my first thought is Oregon is not going to get into this year's playoff. But when you expand this thing to 12, that's a team that could get in. I don't need to see those two teams play again. Like I don't need to watch. I know Oregon at this point has zero chance to have any championship considered, like they've got zero chance to win this thing, none. But in a twelve-team format, they could sneak into it.
1: Yeah, did you see U- USC put up like sixty-six points? So oh, I
0: did watch that against Rice. I,
1: yeah, not a big competition against. However, the I, I mean, I don't think Oregon's winning the Pac-12 this year. Uh, Utah went toe-to-toe with Florida, so there's two teams that are better than Oregon. I don't think even in a 12 game expanded playoff picture, you have Oregon making it this year.
0: I mean, I don't know. I think it's week one. I think teams, I think teams can get better. I think teams can get worse. I think the pac 12 is just kind of a crap show. And I think what we saw yesterday between Georgia and Oregon Maine. I mean, Oregon looked bad. Yes. But I think that could just be the difference between Georgia, Alabama, Ohio state and everybody else. Like, I think that's just the SEC. Like we saw yesterday, every SEC team covered except Ole Miss, who almost covered, and Vanderbilt. Those are the only two teams that didn't cover. So like the SEC yesterday came out swinging, looked absolutely Mm -hmm. great. I think the Georgia-Oregon game just tells you that's the SEC. This is the Pac-12. There is a major, major gap.
1: Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Is uh, and we were we talked about this game prior, and this is not to hate on you know Bo Nix, but that's how he's always played against Georgia, and Georgia they you were
0: right on with that yeah. (laughs) No, you listen. I doubted you. I marked that game as a toss up, and yeah, Bo Nix was awful yesterday. Georgia's
1: defense knows how to play him specifically, and because of the way they rotate guys every single season. It's not even a reload for them. It's just like, which set of buckshot are you going to use this game? Yeah. And it, it's Georgia's defense is electric.
0: They're bad. No, they, they definitely are. I mean, they, I think been after yesterday and they may be better than this but if we were to rank like the top 10 defenses, I'd have them third right now in the country. I'd say the third best defense and, mm-hmm. they, and they may actually be better. That's just, I think Alabama's is number one. I think Notre Dame's is probably number two of um, Ohio state's up there as well. But um, I mean, Georgia's defense doesn't look like it's missing much of a beat from last year. So we're gonna start doing a segment um, when we do our Sunday shows which I'm excited about called fourth string performances So we're gonna give you our like the worst performances yesterday from players moments schools I'm really excited about it but basically anybody that ha- anything that happened yesterday that matched Ben's attempt to pronounce the last name Koontz that's what we're going for So <laughs> Ben lead it away with our fourth string performances
1: Oh man. So, uh, <clears throat> first, kudos to Mr. Koontz. Did not get a touchdown, but did play a part in that upset of Virginia Tech by ODU. So, uh, another game that I, uh, if you guys listened and took my advice, would have made some money on. That's uh, true. Look, my first one for the, uh, the fourth string performances has to go to my boy, Bo Nix. Uh, it's just the way that you play against Georgia. 0-4. Oh, uh, I think he had had two touchdowns, didn't add another one to that. Has had numerous interceptions, added another two last night. Uh, he had 56.8% completion. He completed more passes for points to the other team than he did his own. Uh, they got a field goal out of the entire game, getting beat 49-3, to 173 yards. Just a really bad performance. That's awful.
0: Yeah, um, you know the interesting. He, thing he can join Nicks, us
1: on the on the bench here.
0: Yeah. No. Well, welcome. Well, that's the plan. Is yeah, you're you get to join us here. It, the interesting thing about Bo Nix is he led the team in rushing yards yesterday with 37. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean they couldn't run the ball. He's like, got legs. He was bad. I mean, like, listen, we put Bo Nix on their bin. I think we should just put the entire Oregon team and coaching staff. You're right. Uh, yeah. I mean, Bring it the was whole ducks. We got room on the bench. All of them. I mean, you couldn't run the ball. The defense, like the defense is supposed to be your strength. Georgia had almost 600 yards of total offense. The defense looked hot garbage. Yeah, just, I mean, bad, 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 bad. Go get Um, some Thai food. Yeah, go get some Thai food, Oregon. Um, All right. My fourth string performance goes to Virginia Tech, the old team Virginia Tech, for losing at ODU. For Again. the second straight time in four years, and I watched that game and shoot. Oh, uh, what's the quarterback's name? Why am I blanking on it? Oh, uh Gabe's man. Yeah, oh, I know shoot. why am I blanking on it? Old on old
1: at Marshall. Uh we know who he is. He's so forgettable. I'm adding myself full now to a
0: fourth string performance We're forgetting this. And you too, Ben. These yeah. are the things we're supposed to know. We don't know them. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hold on. What is this kid's name? I'm completely blanking on Grant it. Grant Wells. Grant Wells. I knew it started with a G. Grant Wells also gets a fourth string performance. Listen, he was supposed to come in, be a really, really solid quarterback in ODU's defense. I mean, they were just all over him. Like he had absolutely no business against that defense. Yes, or against that defense Friday night. Um, just looked terrible. And I mean, that whole offense looked really vanilla. Um, I will say this. Uh, You know Brent Pry is rebuilding this program, so I don't think there are a lot of Virginia Tech fans that are reacting to that Week One game. And I mean, it's just the most overreaction ever. Like they already want to fire Brent Pry. I I'm not kidding. Like go to Twitter, there's people that want to fire Brent Pry.
1: Should have hired Baby Beamer.
0: No, I'm just saying. I don't think that would have changed it. I I Brent Pry didn't have a great game, but what he's working with is five years of Justin Fuente not recruiting virginia athletes and then the players he was recruiting texas and oklahoma rejects transferring out it's a bad roster it's gonna take Mm -hmm. some time but doesn't mean you are um immune to the fourth string performance here so virginia tech
1: yeah south carolina still beat georgia state 35 to 14 so it was
0: close (laughs) uh i don't know it was close for about three quarters, and South Carolina pulled away. But, I mean, listen, South Carolina, Beamer's got a much, much better team. I think he took us. And say what you will about Muschamp. Muschamp actually recruited decently down there. And I mean, I think it's just a product of being an SEC team not named Vanderbilt. You take over any of those teams, you're going to have talented players. Tech yeah. just does not have talented players on that roster right now.
1: It's unfortunate, but I'm loving it. it.
0: Yeah. All right, your next one, Ben. Uh,
1: Next fourth string performance goes to Owen Daffer, the kicker for East Carolina, who who (laughs) missed a extra point that could have tied the game up and then had the opportunity shortly after to win the game on a chip shot field goal and missed that as well.
0: Uh, And listen, the announcers yesterday were trying to coddle him a little bit saying, you know, hey, it's a young kid, like take it easy on him, whatever. That's fine. He still needs to write apology letters to every single other player on that roster. When you're a kicker, you have one responsibility. And those kicks, there were no pre- there was they no pressure hard, on them. Man. They didn't get a blitz on them. It it's was a, a 20 yard snap. Kick. Yeah, just like, put it in.
1: I can kick a 20-yard field goal down the middle.
0: I, probably so. It's an easy kick. <laughs> it's all mental. It's all mental. But, I mean, no, I mean, that was pathetic yesterday ECU should have won that game
1: yeah so look you have NC State one of the highest ranked I guess the highest ranked preseason NC State team ever comes to your house you're a, a small little school ACC's come into play because I guess ACC loves to go to piddly schools to kick off the season <laughs> yeah. that doesn't make any sense to me but that's okay. rivalry
0: game too I mean it's a big rivalry down
1: there. <laughs> and then Then you miss two kicks back-to-back that are simple chip shots. (laughs) Sorry, Owen. Come over here Um, and sit with us, buddy.
0: My next one, Iowa and South Dakota State's offense. Both teams yesterday combined for 10 points. Now, that's not even the worst part of it. Four of those points were both off of safeties. Iowa had two safeties on South Dakota State. And then the teams combined for 286 combined yards. They had less than half as many yards as Georgia did. Both teams combined. It was one of the worst offensive games I've ever seen in my life. And people on Twitter kept saying, oh, you got to tune into this game. And I was getting texts from friends like, you got to put on I1 South Dakota State. Guys, I could not watch that game. I tried it on three different occasions. It was the most boring game I have ever put on in my entire life. That was awful. So congratulations, Kirk Ferrets, South Dakota State, the Bunnies. Both of your offenses, absolutely pathetic yesterday. Both of you worthy of a fourth string performance.
1: Oh, man. (laughs) Not not a great game to tune
0: into. No. Uh, My next one. Seven to three and no touchdowns. (laughs) Yeah, when you have multiple
1: safeties in a game, it's something that is not often to behold.
0: Iowa could have won the game with just the two safeties. Could you imagine a game being four to three?
1: Uh, I watched a three to two game uh, where Auburn scored all the points against Mississippi State one year. Most boring game I've ever seen. Uh, I did, think it like that, did it end like that
0: it in three to two?
1: Yes. Yes. That's
0: incredible.
1: Yep. It was terrible. Yeah, Uh, I watched it in Greenville, South Carolina, and I was embarrassed. So uh, I would have been, too. Yeah, that that entire that was my 2008 freshman season. I think Auburn won four, five games, something like that.
0: Was that Tubbs last year?
1: Uh, It was. Yes.
0: Okay. yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. My uh, my Auburn experience was amazing. We had a losing season freshman year, losing season senior year. I was there five years because I took a year off in to get residency because college is expensive and I didn't get all those things that now are forgiven. So thanks. Yeah. Thanks, politics
0: won a championship in between
1: won a championship in between. Wow, well, yeah. this thing
0: Insane. so Insane. Uh, a,
1: a guy who's not winning a championship based on his performance is a punter who decided to uh, fake it and then kick it anyway. Uh, I, I remember seeing it. I did not write it down and I cannot remember who he played for uh don't have a name oh yeah 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 uh do you do you remember this play who was this guy yeah yeah
0: no this was a um i'm going to see if i can find it it was an fcs play yeah fcs school um if he had kept yeah. running
1: he could have gotten the first down
0: he oh yeah no him. he had the first down it's like he had a brain fart <laughs> um let's see all right i'm I working from- i think this was the one on like thursday night it was it was it was south, the south carolina of- state's punter I mean the guy ran like 15 yards down the field, and then kicked it.
1: It was amazing. Yeah. So no, that uh, was terrible. Another addition to the fourth string. Um, lots of additions for special teams. Really, yeah. Really interesting special teams week one.
0: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna add another one here. The Arizona punter who punted into his own player. Who oh, blocked I it. saw that. And it was re- <laughs> yeah. Like craziest thing. ever! Blocked his own punt. I've never seen that before.
1: Yep. Into his own man.
0: Yeah. Just awful. All right. You got one more, Ben? Or is that is that all of them?
1: Nah, that's it for me.
0: Who that's it, it for you. All right. I got, I've got two more, but they're combined into one. So Syracuse, who led yesterday with 18 penalties for over 100 yards. Congratulations on that achievement. Mm-hmm. That is impressive to have over 100 yards over an entire football field of penalties. Um, but then Louisville also gets a fourth string performance for losing to the same team thirty-one to seven. A team that had eighteen penalties and a hundred yards beat you thirty-one to seven. Shouldn't that happen? Like, oh, it, I got to redo my ACC rankings because after that yesterday, I think Louisville is probably the worst team in the in the ACC. They looked terrible.
1: Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Um, I honestly thought Louisville, based on the talent alone. Should have performed,
0: you know, and made that competitive. All these expectations, yeah, like
1: no game plan, basically,
0: against Syracuse. Malik Cunningham looked bad. I mean, the the whole offense looked bad. Defense couldn't stop Schrader. It was that whole game was just pathetic. So, Louisville gets one. All right, we are going to skip to our next segment. So, this is something new we're going to start doing. So, it's called If we had a mailbag, so we don't get enough listens on the show for people to actually mail us questions, which is fine. So we don't have a mailbag. Nobody emails us questions. So again, there's no mailbag. But if we had a mailbag, I'd like to think these are some of the questions that you would ask us. So I'm going to lead the way. These are questions you haven't actually asked us. We don't care. We're going to answer them anyways. All right. Um And yes, totally ripping off Colin Cowherd's podcast here, because this is a segment he does. I just came up with a different name for it, and I like it better. Um, (laughs) So Nebraska struggled for three quarters against North Dakota, not North Dakota State. What does Scott Frost need to do to keep his job? I think at this point, the only way for him to keep his job is to beat Oklahoma. I think if he gets through Georgia Southern and they throttle Georgia Southern, and then they beat Oklahoma, then I think he gets to keep his job. But if they lose to Oklahoma, and he may not be fired right after that game, which I think is crazy, by the way. I think he should be if they don't win. But even if he's not fired, I think there'll be a discussion upstairs, hey, we're firing him at the end of the year, and I think it's over. So to me, that is his only path. And, and it's not just, I think that keeps him there, like gets him some more time this year. But if they win that and still finish five and seven and can't get to a bowl game, I still think he's done. So you got to win that plus get yourself to a bowl game. But that's what I think he's got to do to keep his job. So Ben, somebody were to ask you, what would you think of that?
1: I mean, go back in time and beat Northwestern because that was one of your easy games. And unfortunately, look, if you if you look at the college football, uh, what was it odds of a coach getting fired before the end of the season, um, in I think every single conference has their own. I didn't look up the stats for Scott Frost, but I would say he's probably got worse odds or better odds depending on how you look at it than Brian Harson does. Uh, oh yeah, 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 like negative six thousand. So. Uh, I would say Scott Frost getting fired before the end of the season is probably at, you know, minus 10,000. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, he's un- I don't think he has a chance. I mean, he I don't see how Nebraska beats Oklahoma. Uh, I, don't I don't see know. how Nebraska beats Indiana. So.
0: I mean... Well, yeah. And I mean, Illinois <laughs> let me down too yesterday because I thought Illinois looked good last week. And then watching them play that Indiana game, I didn't think they looked good anymore. I thought they looked about like we expected Illinois to look. But, I mean, yeah, I'm looking at Nebraska, and I think pay really close attention to what does the Georgia Southern line come out to be? Because if that line is like less than 17 points, I think that's even Vegas telling you we have zero faith in this team. And I said this to start off the year, but Clay Helton is – Clay Helton is the head coach at Georgia Southern. There is no coach, I think, this early in the year that is looking to make a statement more than Clay Helton, especially after what USC just did. I think he wants to send a message, hey, I'm actually a way better coach than what I've been put out to be, so let's go beat Nebraska. And Georgia Southern's kind of a mid, middle-of-the-pack, mid-major program. They're not great. But, I mean, yesterday Nebraska struggled with North Dakota. Who's a bad FCS team? So I think Georgia Southern's capable of pulling off the win there, um, and I think if I'm Nebraska, if we don't blow out Georgia Southern, and I mean it's, it's got to be like a fifty to seven game, like I would fire them that weekend. Like I don't understand the point of, and and I'm typically a guy that says, "Hey, hang on, see things through." That's fine. But once you know somebody is not going to work out, once you can look at a coach and say, can this coach get us to where we want to be eventually, ever? And I think the answer here is no. I think you have to move on. And let's keep in mind, this Nebraska program, this is not like Indiana or Purdue or Northwestern. This is one of the premier programs in all of college football. So just to reiterate what I said last week, You can't be looking at this and thinking, well, maybe Scott Frost can get us to six to seven wins. You're Nebraska. Why is that the standard? The question you should be asking is, can Scott Frost get us to nine to 10 wins and competing for the Big Ten West? Iowa's got no offense. Purdue's got almost no defense. Wisconsin, maybe they're good. They smoked Illinois State yesterday. It's a bad team. You should be in contention for this division. There is no reason why you can't just not even be in contention for it. That doesn't make any sense to me. I'd fire him right now and let Mark Whipple get the rest of the year. So I don't think Scott Frost keeps his job, but I think for him to be able to, he's got to knock off Oklahoma in a couple weeks.
1: Yep. So let me, let me give you this real quick. Scott Frost's buyout goes from 15 million down to 7.5 million effective October 1st. So
0: Effective, ooh, this is a great tidbit. So effective October first.
1: Yep. So they play Georgia Southern on the tenth of September. They play Oklahoma nine seventeen, and then they have a week mm-hmm. off to get ready for Indiana. That Indiana game, there's a good chance Indiana beats Nebraska as well at Scott home Frost on is, homecoming. Yeah. Okay. Scott Frost is fired after the Indiana game.
0: Oh, Ben. Ben just sitting back there quietly and comes out with a <laughs> great point like that. I mean, Look, when you're an Auburn
1: fan, you know when buyouts happen because uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's what happens so with No, that's <laughs>
0: that is a great point. So yeah, they may hang on to him, but you know, I think the interesting the interesting thing will be if they lose to Oklahoma and they're two and two no matter if they beat indiana or not would they keep scott frost after that game and i don't think they'll beat indiana by the way i think they're going to lose on homecoming at home to indiana i don't think they're winning that game anymore um
1: yeah for two weeks and seven and a half million dollars they're holding on to him until october 1st for sure yeah
0: yeah no that's that's a great point all right next mobile question Ohio State and Notre Dame was much closer than the experts predicted. Does that say more about Ohio State or Notre Dame?
1: Mm. Is this a question that I have to answer first?
0: Yeah, you go ahead.
1: Look, we know Ohio State has an explosive offense, and Notre Dame was able to hold them for you know almost three quarters. Uh, and for the entire game, only lost by a couple touchdowns. So... Uh, I was telling you before the game, CJ, like, no, nah, that Ohio State's going to blow that line out of the water. Don't bet it. Uh, I was wrong and apologize. Uh, apparently, Notre Dame has a much better team than I expected. And, and granted, their defensive coordinator from last year is now their head coach. He was only there a year. But if you watch college game day and saw kind of his story, very cool, uh, very awesome leader and Notre Dame is a good team uh, they don't play in a conference which is going to perturb me and that's fine uh, but as far as can they hang with the big boys it looks like this year they can hang they won't win as we saw last night but they can hang they're a good team
0: yeah well in I said this a couple of weeks ago. Actually, I think I said it last week that I think this Notre Dame team top to bottom is probably the best Notre Dame team they've ever had. Again, quarterback got to figure it out. Running back got to figure it out. He was
1: good I'm for actually first not,
0: start. Yeah, and I'm actually not too surprised after yesterday. Now, I didn't bet this game. I laid off of this game. I thankfully laid off the Georgia-Oregon game as well. So I didn't bet this one, but I'm not too surprised that Notre Dame kept it as close as they did. But I think yesterday, we've learned more about Ohio State. And Ohio State fans are real upset because the receivers didn't look great yesterday, whatever. But here's the thing I saw with Ohio State. The defense is already great. And I expected Jim Knowles to turn it around. But if you've looked at Jim Knowles' history as a defensive coordinator, it typically takes him about a year or two to really get his defense going. What we saw yesterday was they're already good. And the reason I think that is is because this is the first program he's come into with a super, super talented defense. So he's already come into this program with a really talented defense. He's got the personnel he needs. Now it's just using his system and they were in Notre Dame's face all night long. The fact that Ohio state was struggling to move the ball didn't. And the defense was on the field more that didn't mess anything up. Like, Last year's Ohio State defense compared to this year's Ohio State defense, to me, felt night and day different. Now, the offense has got some things I think to maybe figure out. But if the defense is going to play like that, they're going to crush everybody in the Big Ten, and I think they're a legitimate playoff contender. So I really liked what I saw from our house yesterday. And if you look at the offense, it's not like it was bad. They had 172 yards rushing. Uh, C.J. Stroud threw two touchdowns, no picks, 223 yards. Smith Najigba, he – you know, left the game, he was injured, so that's definitely a loss. But I mean, I didn't think the offense was bad, and I think Notre Dame's strength, especially their coach, is their defense, and they still put up 21 points and moved the ball. So, I mean, that is beating Notre Dame 21 to 10, that's a very, very good win for me. So, I felt like we learned more about Ohio State yesterday than we did Notre Dame. Um, I think Notre Dame's a good team. And, again, it's not the end of the year for Notre Dame either. They're going to get USC at the end of the year. They're going to run through the rest of their schedule. I think they're very much in this thing it, despite the game yesterday. Yeah,
1: look, they have Clemson and USC, both who look very powerful. Uh, we haven't seen Clemson yet, but, I mean, it's Dabo Sweeney. Uh, we'll see them Monday night. So it, it could be, you know, they win those two major – high-powered Power 5 games, they're right back in. Yeah.
0: Yep. No, you're absolutely right. Um, All right. Next question in our um, imaginary mailbag here. Every team in the SEC except Ole Miss and Vanderbilt covered yesterday. Georgia crushed Oregon. Florida upset number seven Utah. Arkansas beat Cincinnati. Has the gap between the SEC and the rest of the country widened?
1: Uh I wouldn't say it's widened. I think it's always been a step above. Uh, Look, you've got the Big Ten and you've got the SEC. In majority of the matchups, the SEC is going to beat the Big Ten and then everyone else is kind of like subpar. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's how it's been for probably the past five years, if not longer. So has the gap widened? I don't think so. Uh, Has the parity within the SEC hosts, NIL deals, and transfer portal gotten more, I, I don't know, how would he be more parity? But has the talent within the SEC raised since we've had the implementation of those two changes to college football? Absolutely. The fact that yeah. Vanderbilt, and granted, they didn't cover, whatever. The fact that you know they put 66 points up on a Hawaii team that I expected the game to be close on is wild and the rest of the sec i mean just the west is stacked uh you've got arkansas who didn't win an sec game for two seasons uh last year sam pittman comes in and and turns that program around you've got both ole miss and mississippi state that are now competent and winning games uh texas a&m joined missouri is not terrible uh you've got all the the teams of old in the East that are actually performing Florida beats Utah, Tennessee's a a team again. Uh, Kentucky, a basketball school is actually really good at football. The sec just as far as, as far (laughs) as talent goes, has taken a step up and the rest of the, the conference is now more balanced than it ever has been. So does that mean that they take a step up in the gap between the SEC and other conferences? I don't know. But I think on any given Saturday, SEC versus SEC teams are going to be more competitive, yeah. which is just better for the brand.
0: Well, I think when you ask the question, has the gap between the SEC and the rest of the country widened? I think I actually think it has. Um, and the reason I think that is because what was evident to me is that just how good the SEC is but really how bad the Pac-12 is. And I'm watching the rest of these conferences yesterday. I don't think the Big 12 has a contender. Like, Oklahoma will be fun. Texas will be fun. Well, you know who else is going to be fun? Arkansas. Like, Mm -hmm. Arkansas will be just as much fun. But Arkansas is the fifth best team in the SEC right now, right? Oklahoma and Texas are competing for the Big 12 championship, right? Like, I think USC and the Pac-12 will be fun right? Well, Mississippi State destroyed Memphis yesterday. That's going to be a fun team that might be the 10th best SEC West team, right? So like, I just think when you look at not only the teams at the top, but just the depth of this conference, it's absolutely incredible how different it is. And when you're watching these games yesterday, like I thought the SEC looked far and away better than the rest of the country. Um, and if you think about this, too, like the SEC schedules really, really smart. Georgia says, oh, yeah, we'll play a tough game. We'll play Oregon in Atlanta. That's a home game, <laughs> right? Florida says, oh, we'll play a tough game. We'll play Utah, and we'll play them in the Swamp, right? Arkansas says, we'll play a tough game. We'll play Cincinnati, not a Power 5 team, and we're going to play them at home, right? And so this is the other thing is the SEC just schedules. And, I mean, you can say – hey, they're trying to, you know, get out of having to play any real road games or whatever. Like, you say what you want. But I just look at it as they all schedule really, really smart. They all seem to be in it together, right? I don't think other conferences operate with that level of unity when it comes to just simply scheduling. And there is a reason Why they're just so much better than everybody else? I thought it was on display yesterday.
1: People hate Greg Sankey, but the man does a good job with the SEC. He's a uh, yeah. He he manages like the NFL does.
0: I mean, let Uh, me tell you, there's no other conference that is set up as well as the SEC right now. Like it's not even close. The big, I mean, the Big Ten's in a good spot, a safe spot for sure. Not as great as the SEC. Now, when when COVID
1: Um, happened, you saw the difference there. SEC was like, yeah, we're playing. It doesn't matter. We'll figure it out. Uh, Everyone else had to, you know, tiptoe around. One other that that we didn't talk about because it's happening tonight. uh, FSU was traveling to the Superdome in New Orleans to play LSU. Yeah. Uh, The All-State-Louisiana kickoff, which is basically a home game for LSU.
0: Well, okay. I wouldn't say that because Florida State's not far from that. Like... I'm pretty sure that's an hour drive from Tallahassee, Florida. Like, I, I, I think honestly, yeah, no, because Tallahassee is so far west. People don't realize how far west the state of Florida goes. Yeah, it's it's a quick trip. It's not that far. Um, So, I don't think it'll be a home game for LSU. They'll probably have more fans, but I'm gonna be pretty equal. And Florida State always travels exceptionally well. Um, I mean, that's one of the rowdiest fan bases in all of the sport.
1: (laughs) Versus LSU? Yeah. I mean, LSU is the craziest fan base in the SEC.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're both crazy. LSU is to the SEC what Miami is to the ACC. Like, just kind of bizarre, funky. You probably don't want to be related to any of them.
1: All right. Tallahassee to the Superdome. Tallahassee to the Superdome is
0: five and a half hours. Is it? Okay. That's a little bit longer than I thought. Yeah.
1: You're right. It's way west, but you've got to go through the entire state of Alabama and part of Mississippi.
0: Yeah. yeah. To
1: get there. So, yeah.
0: I, I mean, I'm five and a half hours for Florida State fans is nothing, especially on a holiday weekend. That's true. We'll do that. But I think Louisiana
1: State University is like in Baton Rouge. I can see it on the map between each other's maybe an hour. Yeah, it's close. You're Um... right. It's it's good scheduling for, you know, FSU fans to be able to make it there. I still think that LSU is going to be insane. And also, when you play
0: in the Superdome, is alcohol purchases allowed? I think it is, right? I would think so. I mean, there's college stadiums that have alcohol purchases allowed.
1: Yeah, I don't – I know Auburn is a dry campus. I feel like there's other ones that are
0: not. Well, okay. But I don't know. The, technically, well, Radford and Virginia is a dry campus. I don't think they've ever had a dry day on that campus. Um,
1: well, uh, LSU fans, uh, they get crunk. So, yeah. Oh, no, it's be, that
0: game tonight's going to be off the chains. Um, all right, great. last no-bad question. USC boat raced Rice 66-14. to Meanwhile, their main competition for the Pac-12 struggled. Utah lost to unranked Florida. Oregon just completely destroyed by Georgia. And even UCLA couldn't have put away Bowling Green until the third quarter. So is the Pac-12 USC's to lose? Um, I'm going to answer it first because I already know what Ben's answer is going to be. I'll let him go here in a second. But... I don't think it's necessarily theirs to lose per se this year. USC destroyed rice yesterday. It's rice. Everybody destroys rice. Even group of five teams destroy rice. That doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, and I think Utah is still good. I think Utah, honestly, they went on the road to a Florida team that I think is really underrated, and they went toe-to-toe with them. I, that – That, to me, though Florida covered, though Florida looked really good, that, to me, was not the end of the world for Utah. Now, I do think Oregon, at this point, Oregon, to me, is out of the thing. Like, after yesterday, I just, I think they're absolutely awful. But then the other team I think to watch out for that looked really good yesterday, surprisingly, is Washington um, and Oregon State. And those are a couple of teams, to me, that probably weren't on anybody's radar until yesterday but i don't think it's automatic for usc i do think we're going to see them go through some troubles here my concern for usc is not their ability to score points i know they'll do that my concern for usc is when you've got a bunch of transfers and you are in a back and forth game how do they respond situationally that's where my concern is for usc they're not going to just completely boat race every team in the Pac-12. they'll be in some close games and i think they're a good team but I think this Pac-12 thing is still going to be a fight to the finish.
1: Yep. So the Pac-12, as far as talent goes, you still have a Utah team who, look, they lost to Florida, yes. But if they hadn't been greedy and tried to win the game, which I would have too, uh, they could have easily kicked a field goal and taken it overtime. And then who, knew, who knows what happened. So Utah is still a very good team. Yeah. Uh, And it's hard to win in the swamp. So, and here's the thing if they got that
0: touchdown, they would have covered.
1: Yeah. So, Florida, granted, has not lost a home opener in like 40 years or something like that. So, it just very unlikely for that to happen. Very tough game for Utah being a very good team. But they moved the ball extremely well, uh, especially with that last minute and a half that they had. They got in. Touchdown range uh within like 40 seconds. So, and then they they kind of played around with it until they threw an interception to lose the game. So Utah is still a contender, and they were the champion last year, uh, where they had to beat Oregon twice, and Oregon sucks. So, and granted, Oregon sucks against a Georgia team, they probably don't suck against most of the Pac 12. So Oregon could still have a very good season. Uh, Is it USC's to lose? So this USC experiment, experiment, I think, is very interesting. Uh, I'm going to compare what USC is doing to NCAA basketball with John Calipari. Okay, Came in to Kentucky, and he built a program of, all right, we're going to get the best guys. They're going to be here for a year. We're going to be the one-and-done school. I'm not going to build programs. I'm going to assemble incredible players and win championships. Now, he did that early on. He came in in 2009, won a championship in 2012. It hasn't really worked out for him since. That's because a lot of other teams have figured out, you know, how to bring in good talent. Uh, right. The transfer portal is fairly new, and a lot of teams who actually build programs and are used to building programs assemble their open holes based on what they need and not just land grab let's get the best players right now usc land grab get the best players who cares who's on the team i'm gonna bring in all the good guys and we're gonna have an all-star team assembled year one this experiment is the epitome of kind of calipari's way of like one and done and the the ultimate approach of utilizing the transfer portal to build a team of all-stars. So is, is it USC's to lose? Yes, because USC has the most talented team in the PAC 12 top to bottom. And if they have a couple injuries, there is a good chance that they completely fall apart. But if they can stay whole, it is theirs to lose based on the way that that team has been assembled to be the all-star team of the Pac-12.
0: You know, I think that's a great point you brought up, Ben, as comparing it to Calipari. It does feel very similar to that. And I think if you look at what has worked in college basketball, and this is maybe why I'm just not a fan of USC's approach, because I've seen Duke get burned on it. I've seen Kentucky get burned on it. But if you look at what's worked, it's the teams that can build up a roster of really good players and then bring in one really talented one and done to surround the rest of, to surround him with the rest of this really talented team and you can elevate a one and done with a really talented team like i think you can elevate a really talented freshman like jordan addison with a really talented built team my pushback on usc has been can you just bring in all of these guys and figure it out? Like, where is the support for that? And I know it looked good yesterday, but that's where I think when they get into a, you know, tug of war with Utah in those situations, which is what the side's most close football games, I like Utah a whole lot better. Um, all right, let's talk about some games happening uh, this week. My favorite week of two games, number one, Alabama goes at Texas. I think Alabama is going to win it by probably 20-plus. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be super close, but I'm really interested just to see how long can Texas hang with them. I think Texas has a really talented team, and I think they're coming out looking for blood. I think Sarkisians looking for a really big win. I think that game, at least the first half of it, should be really interesting.
1: Yeah, I uh, agree with that. Uh, it's where College Game Day is going to be. Um, it's going to be a good preview of you know the future of the SEC with Texas coming in in a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, Sarkisian is the coach who used to be offensive coordinator at Alabama. So you've got those kind of storylines that go in. It's another Nick Saban uh, coordinator that has an opportunity to beat his old head coach. Probably not going to happen there. Uh, I think it's happened twice now. Yeah, with uh, with both Jimbo and Kirby Smart. Uh, give Sarkisian a couple of years with maybe one of the most talented quarterbacks ever coming in uh, to that program. Though Quentin Newers should be really good. So no, I
0: expect him to be really good. Yeah,
1: yeah. So we'll we'll, we'll see. Um, it will be an interesting game for sure, and yeah. uh, definitely the highlight as ESPN goes when it comes to College Game Day being there.
0: Well, I think Texas has the talent to upset Alabama. I think they have enough talent. I, I don't think they're going to, but I'm between Ewers and B. John Robinson. That offense oh, yeah, that's is right. going to be electric. Um, yep. I'm looking Alabama, forward to
1: seeing Alabama's defense face them. Yeah.
0: Um, Alabama is favored by 19 on the road at Texas, which means if you had put that game in Bryant Denny, Bama would be favored by about 23 to 24. So just a massive line to give a team on the road. Um, next game I'm fi- that I find interesting, will stay in the SEC for a lot of these actually, but South Carolina will travel to 19th ranked Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I expect Arkansas to win, but this line's even closer. It's Arkansas minus nine and a half at home. I thought Arkansas looked good against Cincinnati, but I thought the defense looked a little bit weak, and I thought South Carolina started to find some offensive rhythm towards the end of their game with Georgia State. So if Spencer Rattler and that offense continue that rhythm, and again, all the pressures on Arkansas, there is zero pressure on South Carolina going into this game, I think this has the potential for a big upset.
1: Well, you got to see what South Carolina is bringing to the party, man. Some guys bring iced tea. Others bring liquor.
0: Oh, so, uh,
1: a nice little quote from Sam Pittman there. Uh, there you go. Look, South Carolina and baby Beamer, uh, as well as transfer quarterback uh, Spencer Rattler. Uh, they're going to put up a fight. I think Arkansas is definitely the better team in this one. Uh, K.J. Jefferson, as well as the rest of their team top to bottom, the big boys of Arkansas, should push South Carolina around. Uh, I would – ooh, that's a tough line. I don't know if, if I would take Arkansas with the points, but Arkansas is definitely going to win the game, which I think at the end of the day is, is really what matters. Um, I'm sure you're probably going
0: to get to the Tennessee game. Is that coming up next? That's actually my next one is Tennessee at 17th ranked Pittsburgh and it's at Pittsburgh who just knocked off West Virginia. Yet Mm -hmm. Tennessee is a five and a half point favorite. Um, Now I don't traditionally like betting against home underdogs like that, but I mean, I thought Pittsburgh's defense on Thursday got pushed around by West Virginia they ended up winning the battle of former uh, USC quarterbacks, 38, 31 though. And I thought Tennessee's offense looks absolutely insane. That mm-hmm. might be the second or third best offense in the sec. Like not even exaggerating. They're that good.
1: Yep. It's uh it's the year of transfer quarterbacks and Hendon hooker looked incredible. 221 yards, two touchdowns, uh, <laughs> and that entire Ran it, it was against ball State. yeah 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 sure i think you only played like part of the game
0: yeah and no, they yeah, destroyed
1: no. ball state what was it 60 something to to 10 59 to 10 F- 59 to 10 so it's gonna be a really electric game um i love how close the line is i think tennessee's gonna rock pit
0: yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's going to be interesting. Um, I didn't think Pittsburgh looked particularly good against West Virginia. I feel like they should have lost that game. Listen, when you're in a position like that, just go for it. Like, do like Neil Brown, what are you doing? Like, fourth and one, and you've got inches to go when you bring out the kicking team, and you're going to give it back to that offense? That was dumb. So West Virginia should have won that game. If they had won that game, Tennessee being favored at Pitt, would not be a shocker to anybody. So I do like Tennessee. All right, let's go to the next one. We'll stay in the SEC. This game I think is going to be wild. Kentucky goes to Florida. Yep. I think this is going to be an absolute slugfest. Now, Ben, I actually like Kentucky to go in. They're an underdog by five and a half, but I think Will Levis is going to be the difference for them. And I thought Florida, though they looked good against Utah, I think they look flawed. And I think Kentucky is a really, really put-together team, even more so than Utah is. And Levis is just an absolute phenom. So I think Kentucky goes into Florida and pulls off an upset.
1: All right, so you love Will Levis, and that's fine. He's good. I do. Uh, He had 303 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception uh, in their first game against whoever Kentucky played.
0: Miami or Ohio.
1: Okay, so Florida played the best team in the Pac-12, uh, at least defending Pac-12 champions. And Please don't Anthony tell me you're dissing
0: Miami of Ohio.
1: Miami of Ohio is terrible. No, they're Anthony not. Richardson. They were a
0: bowl <laughs> team last year. They're a good okay. football team.
1: Wow, bowl team. Auburn was a bowl and team And Kentucky last year. covered
0: against them. Kentucky almost dub- doubled the line.
1: Okay, that's fine. Will Levis, 303 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. Yeah. Anthony Richardson. Uh 17 to 24, 168 yards in the air and 11 carries for 106 yards, three touchdowns on the ground. The the, yeah. the man is amazing. Uh, oh, no, Anthony Richardson yeah. when the competition happened last year between him and uh shoot, I want to say Emory Blake, but I don't think that's right. Uh Emory Jones. Emory Jones. Emory Blake was yeah. an Auburn wide receiver. Uh, Emory Jones, between the two of them, uh, Anthony Richardson was by far the more talented quarterback, and that's why Emory Jones left. Uh, <laughs> some of the plays that Anthony Richardson made yesterday were just spectacular. Go back and watch the oh, play yeah. where he had the fake run around and then I, I think threw it for a two-point conversion. Mm-hmm. Like, that was solid. It didn't count for him as the touchdown, even though, you know, that... it tied up the game. So uh, between the two of them, it's in the swamp and I'm taking Gators. Uh, I think they went outright. Uh, that's a tough line. They have to win Has by a Has Kentucky touchdown. ever
0: beaten Florida in the swamp?
1: I don't know. That's a good question. Oh, I don't know if it's no, ever happened. They,
0: they did in 2018. Okay. 27 well, to 16, Kentucky won.
1: I don't expect it to happen this year. I think Florida, yeah. Florida wins this game for sure. Um, don't know which way I'd go with the line there. Uh, yeah, but the Gator Nation—they look good. You're right; they They're have good. holes. They're not as complete as Kentucky. Yeah, I think the home field advantage is what makes the difference here. Well,
0: and I, I do think Billy Napier—he's the right coach for them. Like you watched that game yesterday, like. He fits. He's the right guy. Like, yep. That that's the best coach they've had probably since urban. He'll, he will win some games. Um. All right. Next game. I really like we'll get out of the sec. Finally, USC <laughs> goes out Stanford. Now the reason I like this game and I do expect USC to win, but I feel like this is really the first game of the year for USC. I don't really give rice any credit. And I think the interesting thing here is USC is only getting 11 points on the road at Stanford. So, you know, here's kind of the thing with this, all right. And I don't like to compare a lot of things to Alabama, but Alabama's going to a far superior Texas team and getting nineteen points on the road. USC is going to Stanford, who hasn't made a bowl in several years and only getting eleven. And I think that tells you that Vegas really thinks The USC and Stanford game is going to be a lot closer than Alabama and Texas. USC's going to have their struggles at times this year. And this being the first real game, I'm interested to see how do they handle it. Now, again, I think USC will win, but I think Stanford's going to keep it close. And David Shaw, it's in a really tight spot. He is, I think, coaching for his job this year. And one of the things I said a few weeks ago is I think with Lincoln Riley, every Pac-12 coach has gotten him circled, not just because it's USC, but because Lincoln Riley is just looked at like this coaching guru who's the smartest X's and O's guy in the country. And so if I can say, all right, I've got a win under my belt against Lincoln Riley, I can convince my AD to keep me around another year. So I'm interested to see how Stanford comes out in this game. That I think will be a fun game. I've got USC winning it though. I think it's going to be like a, 30 to 17 ball game.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm very interested in this as well. Uh, I don't have Stanford doing well in the PAC 12, uh, one of the bottom feeders. And I think USC is going to come out and they know the stage that they're getting on here. Uh, Look, it's, it's USC by 11 points. I'm taking USC with the points in this one. Uh, I think USC comes out and they win by three touchdowns.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're just electric
1: right now, and it doesn't take much for them to put up points.
0: No, you're absolutely right. All right, uh, next team. Go ahead, Ben.
1: I've got a game that I don't know is, is on yours. Do you have Oklahoma State and Arizona State?
0: I do not. No, but give it to me.
1: All right, so interested here because Arizona State somehow still has their head coach. Uh, so they put up. Yeah, I 40, don't understand
0: how Herm Edwards is still there after everything points. that's gone on.
1: On North Arizona, so granted, small team. However, uh, they have a decent offense that's still going on, and their entire program is somehow intact. And then Spencer Sanders and the uh, Oklahoma State Cowboys are—I uh, think they're hosting them. They are—they're hosting Arizona oh. State. So,
0: isn't Oklahoma Aaron Jones State the quarterback at Arizona State? He is. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought.
1: Yep, he is because they're. Their freshman phenon went to shoot some other school that I, he did. He performed very well. Yeah. Um, dang, I can't remember who it is. Jane uh,
0: Daniels? Yeah. Okay.
1: Oklahoma State, however, uh, played Central Michigan Chippewas and allowed the Chippewas to score 44 points on them.
0: And so, that's – that's why I love Ohio State's defense. Jim Knowles was at Oklahoma State last year. Defense was incredible. He leaves one game in Central Michigan's putting up forty plus on them.
1: Yeah, that's wild. So look, Oklahoma State has they're they're a contender in the Big Twelve. It's them and it's Baylor, 100%. and then it's the the two big boys. And this could be a fight between a Pac-12 team that really has nothing to lose and a Big 12 team that should easily win this game. Uh, but I think it's going to be very interesting, and we'll see kind of what Emory Jones and the Arizona State Sun Devils do when uh, they go to Cowboy Stadium.
0: Yeah, I'm going to see if I can find the line on that game because I do like this one as well. Oklahoma State's a 12-point favorite. So, I mean, Vegas seems to like them, but that's an interesting pick. Um, next game on our list Baylor's going to go to BYU, BYU favored by two and a half. Now, Mm. BYU just went to South Florida yesterday and throttled the Bulls in South Florida, 50 to 21. This might be actually the best BYU team we've seen in a really, really long time. And now they get Baylor coming in at home. Um, I thought Baylor was a potential Big 12 champion contender i still think that but ben byu just looks like a really really good football team and now they get to come back at home it's a weird place to play like just that whole stadium is bizarre mm-hmm. i think byu is going to knock off baylor in this one and like i think it's going to be like 27 17
1: all right so byu was one of my group of five uh pre yeah. pre look teams so Let's go down their schedule real quick. I think there's a good chance that BYU also knocks off Baylor. Look, it's a a high-powered offense versus a very strong defense in this game. And I think the high-powered offense wins it out with that home field advantage. Then they travel to Oregon, who looks terrible. Oregon could very well lose that game too, and they probably should, because I don't think they can hang with the BYU team with that pathetic defense that they have. BYU then goes, they, they host Wyoming and Utah State. Utah State got blown out by Alabama 51-0. BYU could very well be 5-0 going into this Notre Dame game. Notre Dame better circle that that matchup because it's not one of their premier matchups that they need to be looking at. They play Clemson as well as USC this year. That game is, it, it could be very rough for the Irish.
0: Yeah, when that game is going to be in Vegas. Um, I mean, BYU schedule. Like, they've got Baylor this weekend, Oregon next weekend, Notre Dame, and Arkansas later on in the year. Now, I don't expect them to, but if they got through Arkansas and they are undefeated, I don't know how this isn't a playoff contender. They have to be. Yeah. Again, I I don't expect that to happen, but I'm just saying, like, you watched the offense yesterday, they looked incredible. I think we're going to see them look good again this weekend. Like, I don't know. I think BYU's just kind of sitting there and they look like a really, really good football team that if we're, you know, like last year, not sure who's going to slide into that fourth spot. Maybe they pulled what a sense did last year.
1: Yeah. I think they are the, the and highest power at five home
0: teams. in Notre Dame and Las Vegas. So like the Notre Dame wow. is not even like a road game. Yeah. Um Yeah. All right, last game I'm looking forward to this coming up weekend. Last game to watch. Iowa State travels to Iowa um, for that rivalry game. I thought the Iowa-South Dakota State game was absolutely awful. Um, iowa State, I just don't think they've been the same team the past couple of years that we thought they would be. Um, they did win yesterday. Um, iowa State knocked off Southeast Missouri 42-10. to Ben, I don't know. I think this game, it's got to be iowa favored. But I just feel like these are two average football teams. I don't think I, I had Iowa winning the Big Ten West. Maybe they still do. But I was not impressed with what I saw yesterday. And I don't have high expectations for, for Iowa State. By the way, the line is Iowa minus three. Again, yep, Vegas is team. a three-point bump when you're at home. So Iowa being favored by three is Vegas telling you we think these teams are even. Yeah.
1: So this is a coin toss. Uh Iowa State put up 42 points against Southeast Missouri State, so who really cares? Uh Iowa struggled against South Dakota State. South Dakota State is not a bad team. Uh so but the the shoot, what's my name for these guys? The Ballhawk eyes? That's what it is. The Ballhawk eyes are uh, not really performing as they should. I don't know what their defensive performance was in this game. Uh, but I would expect for Iowa to put up more than a touchdown against South Dakota State. So, yeah, uh, look, because of the home field advantage, because Iowa has the better defense, they should win this game. Uh, do they cover that three points? I wouldn't bet on this game. Uh, no, it no is, I was
0: far and away from this game.
1: It is a coin toss at best. Uh, The home team should win. I think Iowa's probably the better team, though they have not performed that way. Will be an interesting watch for sure, though. And when you have like this type of rivalry game, it's always going to be wild so i'm
0: looking forward oh yeah to and well. this game's always nuts so i'm excited to watch it it'll be fun all right there's your week one week recap podcast everybody we'll be back next week for more do pay attention we'll put we're putting out some special podcasts kind of throughout the weeks as things happen you know the playoff randomly expands to 12 uh, all of a sudden <laughs> so we got an episode out for that we'll be doing Could some be more as soon today. as two years i know yeah um so we'll see Yeah, well, we will see. It's going to be interesting. So, all right, guys, there's your week one recap. Y'all have a great weekend.